Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm your host, Real Joe Quinn, looking at a number, number, another, excuse me, brilliant episode of the hit show, TV show, Snowfall, season six, episode five. This episode, of course, was titled Ebony and Ivory, um, of course, regarding Cassandra uh, and also, of course, Teddy's. Uh, Teddy Mac's father. Um, a lot happening. A lot going on in this episode. Um, what I'm seeing, excuse me, what I'm seeing as a, as a recurring theme before we get into the actual themes of this episode. But what I what I am seeing, especially in the last three episodes, is the rewatch is much better than the original episode, original time when I watch it. Like is like it's that. Like I this when I first watched this last night, um, the first watch, it was like, okay, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't I wasn't gonna call it a weak episode, but I'd be like, eh. it was one of those maybe episodes where you're expecting something big for next week, like a a, a get a, a get over episode or a transitional episode. Watch it again today, in, in terms of prepping for this podcast. It was just another. It was the episode was incredible. Yeah, I like it. I, I don't know why. I don't know why it's the second. Maybe it's, it's, this show is kind of like leftovers. Maybe you know how leftovers taste better uh, than the original. And that's why I mean, there were and there was nothing new that I learned watching it the second time. It was just like it was. It was just better. Like yeah, I, I, I really enjoy. I really enjoyed these episodes the second time around over the last three weeks episodes three on to now five uh the second in terms of the second watch so we get into this episode of course the season is halfway over now amazingly they're only <laughs> we are uh in the halfway point at halftime of, of the season five episodes in of a 10 episode season of course the final season themes uh for this episode to me sins of a son uh we see teddy max um Actions cost his cost um him his father, and we saw how that we'll see how that played we saw how that played out. We're gonna of course deep dive that. Um, also could have been another thing. Also could have been everyone's tired. Um, in regards to you know Gustavo, uh, sissy, Gustavo's girlfriend, everybody, Jerome, everybody is tired of this life. This the just drug life, the CIA, the DEA, the the whole deal. Every everybody is is just of, of being the girlfriend or mother of somebody connected to the CIA or connected to the drug game. Uh, everybody is mentally and physically just worn down from the, all the the pressure that has coming with being connected to a Franklin or a Teddy or a Gustavo, you know, or a Jerome or a Louis. So, but the main theme was sins of a son, and we get right into the right into the deep dive. Franklin versus Teddy, of course. Teddy, um, Franklin gets the drop on Teddy's father. Uh, he does this through um, using his uh, girlfriend Veronique and also Cassandra. They track down Teddy's father in Kansas City. They somewhat uh not kidnap him but in essence lure him out of the senior uh, out of his uh out of the senior citizen home 
uh, Teddy builds a relationship with uh, Cassandra, of course, builds a relationship with Teddy's father. You know, they're drinking, having fun, listening to music. Next thing you know, of course, Franklin uh, pulls up in about 24 hours as he found, as he has some business to take care of with, uh, with Kane coming off last episode in terms of what was going to be the next move to, to attack Louis and Jerome coming off the hit on their lives. And, of course, Kane's like, well, look, you're not leaving until you figure this out. Uh, until you figure something out. Of course, uh, Franklin has a, uh, has the, sees a, a picture, not a picture, but sees a television show about horses. And, of course, he that's going to be the next move moving forward. They're going to um, stalk out uh, the the two the horse place that uh, both Jerome and Louis Jerome, Jerome and Louis own a horse own a horse at uh, at, the, at one of the stalls and they're gonna stalk that out. So you'll be seeing some you'll be seeing that moving forward later on in the season. But um, Franklin eventually gets to Kansas City and then you see just a chilling scene, a very chilling scene uh, with Franklin, Cassandra, uh, Veronique and Teddy's father where you know Franklin comes in and they're sitting on the couch Veronique and Cassandra are sitting on the couch and Franklin of course pages Teddy uh Teddy back says gives him gives gives him one more opportunity to give him his money Teddy of course says hey even if I wanted to which he doesn't I couldn't do that it's a process Franklin gives him his a last warning before he um before he in essence uh slices uh Teddy's father's throat from the back and watches him die. Um and lets Teddy basically has Teddy hear it hear it. You know, Teddy hears his father's last breath. Uh and that was that. It was again it was a very chilling scene. I don't think that either Veronique or Cassandra expected Franklin to kill Teddy, to kill uh, to kill his father. I don't think I, you know, I think they figured he would talk to him and would have you. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that Franklin did not tell, didn't tell them that this was going, that this was the final part of the plan. Like I'm, I'm knowing Franklin the way, knowing this particular character, the way you we've known him over the past six seasons, I we I. With a highly doubt that that's, this was part of uh, part of the plan that he explained to them, they both were in complete shock. So, especially Veronique. I mean, the mother has looked like she's seen some shit. So she kind of didn't look that shocked or or, or shook uh, when uh, Franklin when Franklin killed you know killed the father. But Veronique was visibly shook, uh, understandably so, as uh, you know as the father's body dropped to the floor. Franklin burns down the house, tells him to get out, then burns down the house. Um, and that ended the episode. The only way the episode could have ended, to be honest with you. Uh, listen, I, you know, I didn't think, Frank, I like, I didn't expect, I'm not, certainly this is the last season, so you nothing, no one dying surprises you. So, I mean, the character, you know, Teddy's father was not a big character on the show. He'd been on the show a couple of times. Over the course of the past six seasons, maybe what three or four times, if that. And we know season six, anybody, anybody can go. Like one of the, like a couple of the main characters are going to go, at, uh, in these next five episodes. But um, I guess Franklin's at a place where, you know, anything goes at this point. And I guess he is so desperate. 
he is. I guess what you're gonna see is Franklin turn darker and darker and darker. Like this is going. This is the evolution of that that kid that got beat up in season one by you know got robbed of his of of his of his drugs from that he got from Avi in season one to a grown man who is a cold blooded killer and who will kill without emotion, without this is who he is right now. And this is I mean he again as he gets more desperate, he's only gonna get darker and darker. Um so I wasn't surprised by it. Now the question to me is what was this a good move by Franklin? Like was this was this a was this a necessary move by Franklin? To kill Teddy's father, did he have to kill Teddy's father? Like what? You know, he says at the basically at the end of the episode that you know, or maybe next week they said on the preview episode that you know now, you know he's going to be coming at uh, coming at coming at us or coming at me, like I'm coming as hard as I'm coming after him. So, you know, with everything that he's dealing with, regards to Kane, Jerome, and Louis. Now he has another target on his back, uh, having to appease his mother as well, um, having to, to you know still got to appease the KGB. I mean, he's still work, he's still trying. They're still trying to work together to get Teddy. So I guess I mean I guess Franklin. This is part of Franklin's grand plan. Not sure that he had to do this, but I understand why he did it. Like, you know, uh, I don't think that they I like I really I can't think that a rat like the rational Franklin would not have done this. Like I, I think see Franklin seasons two I wouldn't count season one because he wasn't really at super kingpin status at that point. So I would say season from seasons two to seasons two through five Franklin does not make this book. I don't believe. Like I I, I just don't believe is is as you know he as as careful as he is as meticulous as he is, as pragmatic as he is, as he was, excuse me, as he was, he wouldn't make this, but he just wouldn't. Um, but, you know, you heard Cassandra uh, at the beginning, you heard, you, I mean, you hear Cassandra in the next episode on the preview, say, basically said that, says, saying to her daughter, hey, the guy is becoming unhinged. Like, he's, like, he's gone. Like, he's becoming, um, yeah, he's losing it, in, in in a sense. And she and you know we'll talk more about that scene. We'll talk about, as we break down the scene, some of the scenes are some of the best scenes. We'll talk more about that. But Cassandra can see it, um, can see where Franklin's at right now. So again, I'm not sure that Franklin had to do this, but if he, you know. If he's trying to get the Teddy's absolute 100% attention, he certainly has that right now at this point. And I, you know, the, the flip side is, you know, I guess this is, this could fall into predictions, uh, or not even a prediction, but uh, not a question. What it, what's the move for Teddy? Like, is it as simple as trying to kill Franklin? Like, you, you know, Teddy's getting, again, all these characters. Or have just so much going on. They have so many. They're getting hit from all different angles. You know, this Teddy, you know, with the KGB, with uh, everything, you know, he still has the bands, Louis, Louis Jerome, in terms of distri distribution, that, you know, shit like that. 
you know, does he have to wear, you know, can he really come at Franklin with all he's with all he's got? You know, is he going to you know talk to CIA and say, hey, we got to go after Franklin? Like, I again, but again, Teddy is going to like Teddy is just reacting, of course, to what Franklin did to his father. But again, this was all this the genesis of this was Teddy taking taking Franklin's money. Like that single, that single move has led to just so much shit. When you think about it, when you really go back and think about it, like that, you know, led leaving that led to Franklin robbing Jerome and Louis. Now leading to Franklin killing, um, killing Teddy's father. So, you know, again, and that, you know, we saw I mean, as out of control as Franklin was this is this season. You know that move from Teddy last season was a unnecessary move that he, I think, if hindsight was twenty twenty, that he would not have done. Um, that he would not have done in the first out uh, in the first two or three seasons himself. But again, he earlier he was coming unhinged, just like Franklin. His just came a little like a basically a half season earlier. So we'll see what happens uh, with this. Um, it was a great again. It was a great scene. This whole how this thing played out from, and you can I mean, again you can tell Veronique and Cassandra were were just master con artists. Like they they played the part. They you know that they, they had their own surveillance. Cassandra plays the role of the con. Like it just she I mean she she's she can you know sell war to a well. I mean she she had the guy eating out the palm of her hand. Um. And just you know, was so into the character that she, you know, hey, I forgot to forgot to introduce myself. And just, I mean, she's she is a cons con to be honest with you. I mean, that's all there is to it. That scenes, uh, Sissy and Franklin, um, Franklin Scott talks to Sissy in um at the homeless shelter, which of course we know was formerly ran by Alton. She of course has, you know, is has basically taken that over, and that's maybe. You know what she is living for right now. Besides, you know, obviously, when she wants Teddy Mac dead, but you know, that's kind of keeping her sane right now. And you know, Franklin, with the hit that he, um, you know, almost getting killed by. Well, first of all, again, he he has um, a target on his back from Louis and Jerome, but he also, has, you know, has a target. You know, almost got killed last week. Uh, with all the heat he has on him, he tries to once again convince Sissy to leave town, get out of Dodge, uh, stop coming to the homeless shelter, and, and kind of go on down the run, but go somewhat in hiding. She's not for it at all. She uh, says that, look, you know, they come, they come, basically. She, like, he doesn't, he does not convince her. And she she basically explains to him, you know, I, there's no big difference between what my life was before all this drug shit happened compared to what it is now. Like the difference is not that big at all. Actually, when he brought up the fact that you know she said that she would have died scrubbing floors for that for that one uh, guy, that one you know creep of a tenant, uh, that tenant owner. That uh, owned all those tenants. Uh, I forgot the character's name because he wasn't a big character. But but you know, basically, she would have died just working all these crazy hours for him. And she says, "Hey, that's not any much different than where I'm at, where we're at right now." So you know, she's not going to run. And she's been consistent right there, consistent throughout the course of the series. Her when Alton was still alive, 
you know, he tried to get them, got, excuse me, tried to get them to run. They didn't run, even when Franklin was in considerable danger, having a, you know, a target on his back and the kind of uh, involvement that he was in with, 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 what the, with some of the things that he was doing. So she refuses to run. Um, he's not, and he's not able to talk her into, uh, talk her into it, into uh, leave, into leaving that, breaking out her normal uh, routine. Um, Jerome Dion. So, of course, Dion got beat up, uh, lost the fight to Leon, and in essence, but according to him, he hasn't lost the project. Hasn't not hasn't lost the projects. He took the money and all the, the product with him. Uh, a couple of the boys, uh, one, the, the one guy who has a college aspiration said that he had a girl somewhere out, I believe, Linden, and that took the, took all the projects, took the product and the uh, and the money with him. So Dion, and it, when you know, when Dion meets Jerome at the club, he still, despite the ass whooping from Leon, still thinks that he's in charge. Says that you know he's going, there's not going to be any more of Leon uh, very soon. You know, we, you know, let's still do business. And he completely, completely, this is where I, this is how you know Jerome is, his head is in another space. Completely dismisses Louie, calls her a bitch right in front of him, Jerome and her. Uh, Again, you know, it got so bad to a point where Jerome had to actually ask her to leave. So, you know, he's trying to do business. Louis says, Hey, we don't you know this is a business. We don't you want to sell to who you want to sell to. Um, he, Dion, of course, was in cahoots with Jerome and Louis in terms of setting up uh, Black Diamond in Dallas, which, of course, resulted in the, in the death of Black Diamond uh, in that in episode, I think it was episode one during the season premiere. And, you know, Jerome's like, Look, you know, after he asked Louis to leave, uh, politely or like respectfully, basically told Dion, "Look, this is a different breed of criminals out here. This is a different. The game is different. We are a dying breed." And I kind of got flashbacks to The Wire, uh, kind of like Marlowe's crew versus Avon. Like Marlowe's crew, Marlowe Stanfield crew was that different, that new breed with no code, no respect. And the dying breed was, you know, the Barksdales and the Avon and how they were clashing. And Jerome's trying to tell Dion, like, look, we're OGs here. We're not, we, this, this shit that's going on is only going to get worse. And we are a dying breed. Like, make no mistake about it. And Dion says, speak, basically says, speak for yourself. Uh, as, as he says, tells Jerome, basically speak for yourself. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm basically in my prime. You might be dying or you might be part of that breed. That's not me. And he walks away. So they are on basically on the outs uh, from that standpoint. Dion thinks that uh, he still has a project, which he doesn't. Um, as Leon kind of solidified that um, in regards to um, with his little, you know, King Kong ain't got nothing on me speech. Uh, as he uh, and Leon's all the way in now. Like, there's no like Leon. Um, Leon's in. He's made that decision where basically he had two of the boys, two of the uh, two of uh, Leon's boys, come up and says, "Hey, 
we respect what you did, but what you're confusing us. We you once were back to Africa, now you're knocking out Dion. Like which which side of the fence are you on? Like what you gonna do? Because we we about this money, we about this business. What are you? Where where like where are you at in terms of this game? So Leon goes outside, calls everybody out, plays you know the tough guy uh, from that standpoint. Plays the I don't know if it was more about him trying to convince them or he was more about him trying to convince himself that he was back in the game. Regardless, he after that there's no turning back. Like he's back. He's all the way back in. Uh, he tells them, you know, after you basically calling them every name uh, in the book, he basically says, hey, we're going to get back to doing business the right way. And uh, that's it. And challenges anybody who has a problem with it, problem with him, you know, step to me with, with a gun in his hand, of course. So Leon is all the way back in that his whole save the community and that that's done. Like he's all he's all in. And I, I think what they're doing is finding a way to get Leon and 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 Franklin back connected. That's where I think that this is going. If you remember a couple episodes ago, Franklin basically said, hey, either you're in or you're out. If you're in, cool, pick a side. If you're out, take Wanda and get the fuck out of here. So I think this is a way for the show to reconnect Leon and Franklin kind of like one last time. Um, as we do it through, as we you know count down to like the last five episodes, uh, but Leon's back in. Uh, Dion kind of is a man without a country right now. Like I don't know what what Dion's gonna do moving forward. Uh, without the projects, I probably I th- probably think Dion's gonna get killed. To be honest with you, I think uh I think Kane probably is gonna end up get, get Dion get get big get Dion. To be perfectly honest with you. If I had a prediction on from that standpoint in terms of Dion's fate, uh, fate uh, for the rest of the series, Cassandra Veronique, uh, we briefly talked about this uh, earlier in the podcast. This is so the beginning of the program of the show. They're in the car discussing Franklin, and Cassandra basically is like, "Look, you have an exit plan if this doesn't work. You have a, fall, a fallback plan if this doesn't work." Um. I know the money is good, but he has a CIA. He's going against the CIA, number one. And number two, I've seen these type of guys, these types of guys before. Uh, even with the $70 million, that's not enough. Uh, they Basically, Franklin has a hole in them that he would never be able to fill. Uh, she has Franklin down cold. Like she, like she, she's actually, for all, her, for all her ways of being a thief, of being a con artist, she probably was clearly was not the greatest mother. This was actually Cassandra giving Veronique her deep, perfect advice. Like she literally giving her great motherly advice from the standpoint in describing it couldn't describing the man that Franklin is right now and in describing where he's at right now. Like she has she sees right through Franklin in terms of what in terms of his mindset and basically tells Cassandra, like, hey, Excuse me, Veronique, like you, you better have a plan B or a plan B, C, and D in terms of dealing with this, dealing with this dude. Because I've seen this type of, seen this kind of before. And, you know, Veronique then gets on the defensive and, you know, throws 
you know, throw stuff back at, at her uh, as a, you know, in terms of in terms of what the type mother she was and what have you. But she had no legitimate debate, a legitimate argument against what Cassandra was saying. Cassandra was basically spit facts about where, uh, where frankly was at in terms of his mindset. So this was a, a fun scene, uh, a good scene, a, a great scene from that standpoint. And you saw them again working together, like you know, chat uh, like uh, Kareem and Magic, basically. Like they were, they were working the two man game, two person, excuse me, two lady game, two to absolute perfection, uh, and which of course resulted in the death of of, uh, of Teddy Mac's father. Um, a lot of talk about. Should be like we so again, Cassandra clearly you can't trust Cassandra, like yeah, she's a con artist, they're both con artists, like they're both they're both really the same person in essence. Um, so they neither one of them really can be trusted. Um, they're interested to see you know Veronique's mentality now that she's literally watched Franklin kill somebody like right in front of her. That she did not expect him to kill, even though she knows, you know, that he's a killer and knows what he does and who he is. Seeing that up close and up close and personal, up close, up front, up close and personal has to be that is a you know a different type of uh, animal from that standpoint. Like seeing him that way, that's she had never seen that side of him, um, or has seen him actually kill somebody in front of her. So you know, again, remember, and also remember, she's still pregnant. So I, I think from that standpoint, that is what is kind of keeping her connected to Franklin, if that makes sense. It, it actually doesn't, because she probably should take the butt, the, the baby and get the hell out of the eyes. But I don't know. I, I think Veronique is in an interesting position because she might even be scared to run it's a, <laughs> at this point, considering what type of man Franklin is. Like, so she, she really doesn't have it. Like, these characters who are on the other sides of these monsters – also to a lesser extent, but you know, uh, also girl, uh, Veronique, they, uh, even Teddy Mac's girlfriend, they really don't have much like uh, wiggling room as far as, or many options, to be honest with you. They are in tough spots. You had uh, it mentioned by also, uh, Gustavo's girl about when he, you know, when he's going through what he was going through and discussing and finally came pleading to her about what was going on. It says that the DA, you know, that, that he was offered a deal by the KGB in protective custody and so on and so on. She basically was like, hell, I'm not running anywhere. She's matching what, basically what Sissy said to Franklin. Like, you're not, my life is already, you know, I don't want to live on that. I don't want to live my life on the run. I want to go back to being a normal, boring life. Um, a normal, boring life uh, that I had beforehand. And, you know, basically tells uh, Gustavo, please, you know, the bands that he makes that, makes that happen for him. Which brings us to our MVP, which was Jerome. So, uh, I mean, Joseph, again, has been on point the entire season. He's really been, like, he has been, he's been, I, I would make a case, he's been the MVP of the season. And he, like, he gave another just great performance in this episode as he 
is dealing with his own internal struggle of really, again, again, we mentioned this over and over again, but we can't emphasize it enough, of really not wanting any part of this. Like, he really doesn't want any part of this, and he forces, it forces him his own kind of depression and disdain for this lifestyle forces him to make a reckless decision. He decides to leave the club. No protection from a standpoint of, 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 of guards. He had, of course, he had the Uzi in the trunk, had the Uzi in his car in the, in the trunk. But uh, he leaves, he, you know, he leaves uh, the club. He goes, he goes out. And wants to get his car uh, fixed, uh, tuned up, or whatever. And he meets, he runs to an old friend who used to run, who uh, named Jeff, who was played by, of course, Omar Dorsey. We've seen him in a, in a, in a few things, BMF, uh, BMF, and in, in, in a few movies over the last four or five years. Uh, uh, rising actor, uh, rising talented actor. Um, he, you know, Jeff is living a, a simple life. Like he's a mechanic. He's uh, just a family man, three kids. And that is the life that Jerome envies. Okay. He envies that as they talk about old times and what have you. And, you know, Jerome, that probably was the happiest Jerome has been all season. When, you know, he's drinking, he has the Crown Royal. They're talking about old times. They're talking about Lakers and the Lakers and, you know, and what have you. Just, kicking it and then a car they see a car kind of you know circle the, the area a couple times and Jerome gets paranoid of course as he should be and you see Jeff excuse me Clyde the name of the guy the name of the character Clyde you know sees the same car a couple times so Jerome pops drunk takes out the Uzi and Clyde just the energy in terms of of the Clyde's energy just completely shifts and basically tells Jerome, like, yo, you got to get out of here. Like, we can't. Everybody goes scattering, thinking that it's going to be a potential shootout. And uh, he tells, you know, Clyde says, look, I need to make it home. Like, I got people depending on me. I'm running a business here. We, like, I can't. This is not, I'm not about this. I'm not about this life anymore. Like, I'm not. This is not who I am, not what I'm about. So, you know, Jerome reluctantly leaves. Um, he picks up on the fact that he never really was wanted there in the first place as he mentions to Clyde, like, you got, like, two cars here, man. What are you talking about? You backed up. Clyde probably did. I mean, Jerome, listen, Jerome's name rings out on the streets. Everybody knows who Jerome, Bowie, and Franklin are and what they do. So, and, you know, Clyde being in that life, I'm sure it had people tell him, like, look, you, know, you heard about Jerome and you heard about Jerome, and you heard about Franklin Lloyd, like they, everybody knows who they are. From that standpoint, Clyde is again, he's a mechanic. He is trying to just live his regular life and make it home to his family. And again, that is the life that Jerome really, really wants in an intentional way. So Jerome leaves. Um, again, Jerome was wide open. Like he, like again, I know he had an Uzi in the trunk, but again, no protection. No, no, nobody following him in terms of his bodyguards. He was absolutely in the open uh, for somebody to come out and try to take him out. We didn't know that was going to happen, but this is, I mean, again, we see, we saw Franklin possibly make a reckless move. We saw, we see Jerome make an even similar reckless move in terms of uh, being out in the open. 
um, he's drinking. He was he was drinking throughout the course of the episode. Um, throughout the course of the episode, you know, you you're chugging on the uh, Crown Royal. And, you know, you're going through something, and we know. Remember, we we've seen Jerome have mental like some struggle with mental health in the past. Like they kind of set that up in season four. Uh, well, no, even last in um, last season when he had to fight. <laughs> But he had to fight and, and uh, broke his hand on a dude's face uh, right after, uh, basically after Kane took shots at, at Franklin and everybody connected to Franklin uh, in the middle of last season. So, Jerome, like similar to Franklin, is just not in a good place at all. And again, I think Jerome, like I don't see Jerome making it through the season. I, I, I just don't. I, I think he's going to make a mistake. He's going to do something. He's going to do something desperate, do something sloppy that gets him that that gets him killed, himself killed. I, I can't I'll be shocked if Jerome made it through the season. I mean when I mean shocked, shocked. Um I matter of fact, I make a prediction that he'll be the first major character to get killed. Even before Teddy. And I think Teddy's going to I, I think that Teddy's gonna go I think Jerome is gonna be the first of the major of all the major characters to get killed. But I mean Joseph has been tremendous all season long. And he was the MVP of uh, of this season. So you had um, also before we head out, uh, you had uh, Teddy almost kills Gustavo. Uh, Gustavo confesses to Teddy about the DEA one. Well, not about the DEA, but about the fact that the KGB that he ran to the KGB to Ruben in the bar. Uh, says we've been trying to offer him a deal or try to uh, offer him um, a deal or whatever and what have you. Teddy says, you know, try to, uh, or, want, or Teddy wants you or was going to try to attack the warehouse to move the coke. Teddy, of course, was already on this. He was following Ruben. He says he already moved the coke. Teddy went there with the fully intended, fully intended to kill Gustavo or had the thoughts of killing Gustavo as he we saw him with that. With a, with a needle that that nonsense that, that he was going to take out take Gustavo out with, so Teddy, I, I don't Teddy Gustavo doesn't know how close he was to dying to get killed by Teddy. Um, well, Teddy isn't fully convinced that Gustavo has has turned. Uh, he doesn't know about the DEA, so that that that's the one thing. So he doesn't know about that. Uh, Gustavo, of course, calls off the DEA, tells them that you know there's not going to be any way that uh, Teddy moved drugs. So Teddy doesn't know about the DEA, but um, Teddy also breaks into the KGB Ruben's place, finds out stuff about Ruben as far as his sexuality, finds out that he's gay. So he knows now that how desperate Ruben is uh, because of the secrets that he's hiding. Um, of course, that, that was not a time. That certainly it was that it was taboo during that time for you know someone in any type of agency, let alone as the, the KGB, um, let alone the KGB to have that type of sexuality. So he says Ruben is hiding. Believes that Ruben is hiding sexuality, which makes him that much more dangerous. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. But the big thing from that standpoint is that. Um, you, is the fact that that Teddy almost took out Gustavo, came very close to uh to killing Gustavo. I wonder 
if uh you know if Gustavo if if Gustavo hadn't told him about Ruben that he met up with Ruben, I think he probably would have he probably would have killed him. He probably would have killed him if he wasn't if like if he went that came clean about Ruben uh in, in that meeting in the bar. So we are now halfway through this season. Um again, the Kane the uh Kane Franklin stuff is still that's still simmering that that relationship is on edge. Of course we're gonna see uh you know Teddy Max Teddy's response from his father getting killed and how that plays out. Will be Veronique and Cassandra will be their next move and of course the the ongoing war with Louis Jerome versus Franklin again. You have a number of characters who are have gotten who are past desperation. Franklin Franklin is past desperate desperation. Gustavo is past desperation. I could throw Teddy in that mix. He's past desperation at this point. So you have three of those those three characters, uh, or four characters are past desperation, which is going to lead them to making just I think I predict a number of just bad moves by all of them. By all of them. All of them are going to make some some moves that make you just shake your head, uh, moving forward. That's going to wrap it up in this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I will see you next time. Enjoy the rest of your week. So long. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.